Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. My hunch is as he's saying it, tears are streaming down his face. This could have been avoided. This doesn't have to be. We're back in touch with Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet who brought the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. We find ourselves in Jeremiah chapter 34 where he seems to be repeating his prophecies. Why is that? Maybe because some of us have trouble hearing the first time. Let's join Dr. Corbett now for You Shall Go to Babylon. So here we have Jeremiah who has been prophesying a message that largely his audience has rejected. And he felt that. And every preacher feels that when you you give counsel and as a pastor, you, you try and urge people to apply the principles of God's word so that they live life to the full. And sometimes people reject that counsel. And sometimes the pastor is proven correct and they pay a price for it. And for me, there's not an I told you so. Well, most of the time there is. There's not an I told you so spirit. There shouldn't be an I told you so spirit. There's more a grieving. There's more a, this hurts. And Jeremiah hurt so deeply, he wept and he wept and he wept over those who rejected his, his message. He describes his eyes as being like fountains or wells that burst forth with tears because of how he was received. So this is a, a man who really felt what he was saying. Called to prophesy quite young, probably started publicly prophesying when he was around the age of 13. Very young. You can imagine a 13-year-old boy standing before the king and prophesying. Thus says the Lord, you will go into captivity. This city will be taken. 13 years of age. And here he is now. He's only a, a young man still. We're probably 20 years down the track. He's probably only early 30s. 33, probably. And the parallels between him and Jesus are uncanny. So this one is, you shall go into Babylon. This is the message that he gave to King Zedekiah. And it's in the context of all the other prophets, so-called prophets, at that time telling the king, you won't go into Babylon. Babylon won't conquer this city. Babylon won't come against this city. And you remember from the age of 13, Jeremiah was prophesying, that Babylon would come, not even a world empire at the time, and they would come and they would conquer Jerusalem. And, and you can imagine how this 13-year-old kid's so-called prophecies were received. He was, he was mocked. He was scorned. And then a few years later, not that many years later, when Babylon came initially, they, the, the, the false prophets then said, it won't last. They'll go away. And Jeremiah said, yes, they will. And then they'll be back. And then Jerusalem will fall. Well, Babylon did come. It didn't last because they had to go and defend another part of their empire and their growing empire. And the false prophet said, see, we were right. They waited weeks and months and they didn't come back. And they said to Jeremiah, see, you're wrong. And then they came back. And they came back. At a time when Jeremiah had said, they will come back. And because he wouldn't shut up about it, and he was about 19 or early 20s at the time, he was locked up in a prison cell for prophesying things that broke the heart, broke the spirit of the people. And the irony of it is, we've just seen in the the few chapters just before this, he was in prison for prophesying that Babylon would come back and surround Jerusalem While he was in prison, Babylon came back 
and surrounded Jerusalem. And the accusation that he was a false prophet suddenly looked very silly. And now we have this scenario that we're about to read. You shall go into Babylon. We're looking in particular, we'll, we'll look at the first five verses in particular, the first seven we'll, we'll touch on. All right, this is reading from verse one. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, and all the kingdoms of the earth under his dominion, and all the peoples were fighting against Jerusalem and all of its cities. I just want to point out biblical language. What I want to point out here is, notice that expression, uh, all, the, uh, all his army and all, uh, and all the kingdoms of the earth. We read in the Bible what we, call, what we might call hyperbole, which is kind of exaggerated to make a point. And sometimes the Bible will use this expression, all the earth. And the problem that we've got in the 21st century when we read that, we've got a perspective of what that means that an audience in the 6th century BC didn't have. We read all the earth, we think, oh yeah, globe. To a 6th century person, the world was those countries surrounding the Mediterranean. That was the world. The, the word world in Greek is... Oikumene. And oikumene means the known world. And this is the word that's actually used in Luke chapter 3, verse 1, when it says, and, and Caesar ordered all the world to partake in the census. It's the same deal in Matthew 24, verse 14. Jesus said, This gospel shall go into all the world. And that word world is not cosmos, it's the world oikumene word oikumene the known world this gospel should go into all the known world then the end shall come we think end of the world end of the world fire destruction he's not talking about end of the world he's talking about the end of the old covenant and paul says in colossians chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 i thank god that this gospel has now been heard throughout the whole world and it's the known world clearly people in tasmania didn't hear that word and we shouldn't think, aha, the Bible doesn't know what it's talking about. No, the Bible knew exactly what it's talking about and it's using language that its audience understood. So when we read kingdoms of all the earth, you've got to, come on, use your brain a bit here and go, every kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar had conquered, he mustered their armies to come against Jerusalem. That's what's happening here. So you can imagine this is a pretty bleak time. Jerusalem is now surrounded by Babylon, surrounded by armies. It had high walls, and so it set its walls up, locked the gates, and there was a siege going on, and the, and the king of Babylon was being kept out. So, verse 2. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into the hand of the king of Babylon and he shall burn it with fire. Now I said to you as we reviewed the last few chapters of the book that we've looked at so far that you would think that if God is going to say something it's going to be for your blessing, it's going to be for your good and I'm going to tell you it always is. <laughs> it always is. And you could go, well hang on a minute 
That doesn't sound like blessing and good. And I'm going to tell you it ultimately was. But in the meantime, we have people who misunderstand what blessing and good sounds like and looks like. And, and yet, when you've lived a bit of life, you look back on those really dark periods of your life and you can look at them differently and go, you know, if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be in this place where I'm now in this relationship with God. And as hard as that is to understand, and I've got to tell you, it is when you're young, it is so difficult to understand that God is good even when your circumstances aren't. And here we have Jeremiah prophesying this. This is, this is not going to sell a lot of CDs, this prophecy. And you, you have, from the other chapters, we, we, we get the picture that as he's saying this, there are other people in the king's court who are screaming over the top of him, who are prophesying exactly the opposite to him. So this is, there's something horrible in this picture that's going on. So I want you to see something here because you might go, gee, this sounds pretty similar to what he said back in uh, chapter 32. And if you read the first few chapters, the first few verses of 32, it sounds very similar. It is slightly different, but it sounds similar. In other words, he's repeating something. This is not new information. And this is one of the things I think we need to appreciate. As you read the word of God, you are going to discover God repeats himself a lot. Uh, when, when I began to really study my, my hero, F.W. Boreham, he made an amazing statement. He, he said this, that he was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, doing a, a young leaders meeting Monday night, doing a Christian endeavor Tuesday night, doing a Bible study Wednesday night. Then he had to preach twice again the next Sunday. He said he could sustain that for eight years when it just got too much for him. So then he decided to do an experiment. The, the next Sunday for Sunday night, rather than prepare something new, he went back to what he preached eight years ago on that Sunday night and he preached it again. And he said, because no one noticed, I just kept doing it. And I did it for the rest of my life. And he, found, he says there's great merit to repeating yourself. Now, if you're a parent, you, you automatically know what I'm talking about. You, you have to learn how to repeat yourself. So Jeremiah is actually repeating something he said earlier. Now, there's, there's a, a bigger lesson here, too, because I have heard, and possibly you have heard, some supposed, you know, hot off the press preachers come off with these new hot revelations that God is now speaking to the church. God has never said it before. This is the first time, and I'm the one to announce it to the world, this new revelation from God. And if you hear that, you should be really, really concerned. Don't worry about your icon red flag. Just get a yellow one up right now. Just, just be really, really concerned if you begin to hear new revelation. So I hope what you're hearing today, you're going to be able to come away from this and go, you know, I've kind of heard that before, repackaged a little bit. But isn't it like every, every um, mum who, who has to cook dinner for their family knows that sometimes you use the same ingredients night after... It, I don't know how, I'd love to know, can anyone do more with mints than my wife? <laughs> it's the same deal, repackaged. And sometimes God does that as well. And so you'll, see, you'll hear the story of the Exodus told initially in 
um, uh, Exodus, uh, what is it, chapter 14 or so, uh, 12 to 14. And then you'll hear it retold in the Psalms. Then, then you'll even hear it retold in Acts chapter 7. God repeats himself over and over. So this is Jeremiah repeating himself. Now, here's the question. Why does God have to repeat himself over and over? Why does he do it? Well, I think the simple answer is this. Sometimes people need to hear something many times before they've heard it the first time. Now, when I wrote that down, I actually, in my notes as I wrote it, I thought, not sometimes, every time. And not some people, all people. <laughs> we all need to hear it. If you're a student of any kind and you're, doing, you're studying something difficult, and at the moment I'm studying biblical Greek, advanced biblical Greek, and I have, I have read, the, the book is um, 38 chapters. I've read the first 12 chapters 10 times and I still don't get it. So I can't go to chapter 13 yet till I get chapter 1. So <laughs> this is what Jeremiah is saying to the king. You shall not escape from his hand, but you shall surely be captured and delivered into his hand. You shall see the king of Babylon eye to eye and speak with him face to face. And you shall go to Babylon. These are the very words that Zedekiah did not want to hear. He didn't want to hear this. But guess what? It was true. It was true. And I'm sure as Jeremiah is saying it, he's not saying it to hurt Zedekiah. He's not saying it because he's angry with Zedekiah. My hunch is as he's saying it, tears are streaming down his face. He's feeling this. This is going to happen. I told you, you could have avoided this. You could have prevented this. If only you've repented. If only you'd listened to me when I started telling you this. This could have been avoided. This doesn't have to be. But now your heart has come like this. It's inevitable. You will see the king of Babylon eye to eye. Now, the, the, the weird deal about this is as we go on, Jeremiah is going to announce something and it'll be the last thing you ever see. Man, here we have a word that would not have been easy to deliver. I mean, this is a king surrounded by soldiers with swords and spears. And here's this kid in his 30s. Anyone in their 30s is a kid. <laughs> Giving this word, this would have taken tremendous courage, tremendous courage, and, and here he is saying it. Now here's the thing. This is not the first time Zedekiah's heard it. So here's my question as I look at this, I'm going, how thick is this king? Why doesn't he get it? Why didn't he hear what God was saying? Why didn't King Zedekiah hear what God was saying? Why is it? I mean, I've got to tell you, one of the most frustrating things for me as a pastor who has the privilege of preaching is that there are times when you're preaching to people who you know need to hear something. They need to hear it. And perhaps they have this foolish idea that being right with God is a matter of just being religious or just going to church or becoming a member of a religious club or something like that. And that's not what Christianity is about. That's not what God's after. He's after your heart. He wants to transform your heart from the inside out. He wants to touch your soul. 
It's not a matter of you looking religious. Zedekiah looked religious. I mean, good grief. He had the priests literally on his payroll. This man looked religious. That's not it. It's not a matter of coming to church going, tick, done that. I come to church not because I have to, but because I want to. I come to church because I want to love what Jesus loves. (laughs) Jesus loves the church so much he gave his life to establish the church. And I just want to love what Jesus loves. And I can't help it. I love you. And if I love you, I've got to tell you what God's word says. And if I didn't love you, I'd just tell you what you want to hear. So... Why is it the king Zedekiah didn't hear? I think it's the same reason why many people don't hear today. Because they refuse to listen. What have we said to you? Life doesn't end at the grave. After the grave, life goes on. And not only does life go on after the grave, the choices and the decisions you make in this life determine where you go. Will you willingly Surrender your life to Christ and, here's the big word, it's a beautiful word, receive his forgiveness. Because depending on how we answer that question will determine where you'll spend eternity. And you might think, and if you're here today and you go, oh man, I I got raised in church, I know all this stuff, this is boring stuff. Then can I just say, God help you. (laughs) If your heart has become that cold, God help you. Jeremiah's heart is not cold here. He is weeping over this king who refused to listen to him. Refused to listen to him. Verse 4, yet hear the word of the Lord. Isn't that profound because you're not hearing Zedekiah? Yet hear the word of the Lord. O Zedekiah, king of Judah, thus says the Lord concerning you. You shall not die by the sword. Hmm. Well, why is it some people don't hear? Well, some people won't hear what God is saying because they don't like what God is saying. (laughs) Because when, again, here we have Jeremiah like Jesus. Jesus said so many things that his audience did not like. (laughs) Someone said, what would Jesus do? Well, In your list of options, what Jesus would do, sometimes you may have to put on your list, upturn tables, make a whip, yell a lot and drive people out of a temple. Does this the picture that people have of Jesus? And I'm not trying to paint a really, you know, sinister Jesus. I'm just saying there are sometimes Jesus does things that makes us uncomfortable. Jesus says things that makes us uncomfortable because he says things that go right to our heart. And the thing that he says most is my heavenly father wants to forgive you. Will you receive his forgiveness? Will you receive it? And for many people, the first part of that means, hang on, you're telling me I've done something wrong. I don't like what you're telling me. Well, no wonder they crucified Jesus. Verse 5. This is what he said to Zedekiah. You shall die in peace. And as spices were burned for your fathers, the former kings who were before you, So people shall burn spices for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have spoken the word of the Lord. 
uh, declares the Lord. I've spoken the word, declares the Lord. So here we have Jeremiah telling the king, you'll see the king of Babylon eye to eye. And the context in here is that you'll be taken off to Babylon. And you'll live out your days. We'll, we'll find out later that one of the things that happened to Zedekiah is that he had his eyes burned out. But I'm jumping ahead. You'll die in peace. And when you die, they'll burn spices for you. Why would they do that? It's a mark of honour. Why would they honour him? Probably because toward the end of his life, he'll realise what he's done. And he'll repent then. And can I tell you, you may hear me today and walk away from here going, Christianity, man, that would cramp my style. All those things I wouldn't be able to do if I became a Christian. And if you think like that, I'm thrilled that that's how you think because you kind of get it. Yeah, Christianity is not something you just add in the bottom drawer and pull it out on a Sunday. No, it becomes a whole new set of drawers. It changes everything. Jesus doesn't become a slice of the pie. He becomes the pie. Jesus will change your life, everything you do, the way you speak, the way you think, what you input into your life, what you do with your time, your treasure, your talent, will all change because of Jesus. And if you think, well, that's too high a price for me to pay, I tell you what, I don't feel so bad now because I think maybe you get it. Maybe you get it. But, the, but you may be thinking, it's too high a price to pay and I've got too many wild oats to sow. I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to live the rest of my life. And when I'm kind of done and I've got no more oats to sow and I'm on my deathbed, then I'm going to remember what you said, Pastor Andrew, and I'm going to go, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. And guess what? As much as it pains me to tell you, you little blighter, he will forgive you. <laughs> he will. Because you can ask God for his forgiveness any time. My concern is that your heart will be so far away from God by the time you've got no more oats to sow that you may not feel inclined to ask God for forgiveness. That's a part of my concern for you. But here's the deal. Zedekiah will reach an old age where he will die in peace and they will burn spices for him because he may have died repenting. And I think he did. But you know, the damage has been done. The damages of his choices have been done. And between now and that moment of your last heartbeat, will you be someone who blesses or damages others? And the damage that Zedekiah did literally cost, and let's be conservative here, hundreds of people, let's be more realistic, thousands of people their lives most of them innocent because of his attitude toward the word of the lord verses six and seven then jeremiah the prophet spoke all these words to king zedekiah in jerusalem when the army of the king of babylon was fighting against jerusalem and against all the cities of judah that were left lachish azekar for these were the only fortified cities of judah that Remain. So here's my question, because things went from bad to worse for Zedekiah. How should Zedekiah have responded? Even at this stage of the game, how should he have responded? And I'm going to suggest to you this is how we should respond to the word of God. It should be received with humility. What does that mean? I think at, very, at the very least it means this. 
When Jesus said in Luke 13 verse 1, I tell you the truth, unless you repent, you will perish. Not many people realize Jesus said that. And it would have taken a, a huge act of humility to receive what he was saying. Well, he's still saying it. Unless you repent. And repent means stop going in the direction you're hurtling. Stop. Turn around and look to God for help to live a different life. That takes humility because you have to acknowledge I'm going in the wrong direction. And particularly if you're a man, that's very hard because we don't ever need directions. The word of God should be received prayerfully. At the very least, he, he, humility, maybe this is God, maybe it isn't God. I'm just going to weigh it up. I'm, I'm going to hear what he has to say. That's where it starts. Just hear it. And for some of us, we need to be daily hearers of the word. And here he should have maybe prayed. God, are you speaking through Jeremiah? Is this really you? Just prayerfully. Receive the word prayerfully. I'm now finding, I, I read things in scripture and, and I'll pause and I'll pray, oh God, I want this to be the reality of my life. I'm, at the moment, I'm reading through Ecclesiastes. Much of Ecclesiastes is written by a very confused man. Very confused. Really backslidden. And much of what he says is just utter nonsense because it's, it's written from the perspective of somebody who's abandoned God. But then just occasionally a gem is dropped in there and I have to stop and I read it and go, God, that's, God help me to live that. Help me to live that. It should be received prayerfully. And here's the question I've got for you. Zedekiah wasn't listening. He wasn't humble enough to receive it. He wasn't prayerfully applying it. And uh, my question is, are you? Are you hearing the word of God? Are you listening? And if we had the time, I'd show you how just if you can develop that habit, it actually not only affects your relationship with God, it, it, it affects your relationship with others as well because it's so easy to have people <laughs> talking to you and you go uh-huh uh-huh and you're thinking what's for lunch when will they shut up how do i get out of here oh look an eagle <laughs> and we're not hearing them and it's really bad when it's between a husband and a wife and i've discovered that many husbands think that their wives only communicate with words. And there's a whole bunch of husbands looking at me like, yeah, they yeah. don't you? It's like, no. You ever, had, you ever said to your wife, something comes on the TV, she goes, oh, look at that. And you go, would you like one? She goes, oh, no. What does that mean? There we have a word-based husband somewhere in this vicinity over here. Are you hearing God's word humbly? That's what Zedekiah should have done as well. And are you hearing God's word prayerfully? These are the things we can apply from this text here in Jeremiah, where Jeremiah is interacting with King Zedekiah. Are you listening and are you hearing the word of God? More importantly, are you receiving his word humbly and prayerfully? Dr. Corbett continues in Jeremiah next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, You Shall Go to Babylon, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr. Corbett is the pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.